Kevin L. McCrudden is the only motivational and leadership speaker in America to ever have a day of recognition passed by the United States Congress. January 2nd of every year is National Motivation and Inspiration Day. Kevin is an international author, speaker, and America's CMO, Chief Motivation Officer. Join us now for an hour to motivate and inspire your life. Welcome, everybody. Welcome back to Motivate America with Kevin McCrudden. Thanks very much for joining me again this week. We've had a, a week or so of a hiatus, so I'm glad to be back again. And um, I, uh, you know, every once in a while I get to have a guest where it's just like, oh my God, this is so cool. So can't wait to tell you uh, the, the uh, guest that we have tonight to, to share, uh, especially on a football Sunday, right? Football Sunday. Uh, obviously, you know, probably, uh, you know, 100 something million Americans are paying attention to NFL and NFL football. And uh, we have a legend tonight. We have uh, Leonard Marshall, former uh, New York Giant great, joining us. Um, he's going to be talking about all sorts of stuff. We'll talk about football. We'll talk about Colin Kaepernick. We'll talk about uh, what it's like to be in the NFL. We'll talk about his, his life after football, which is so important. As you guys all know, for me, um, you know, being in this motivational leadership environment, it becomes, you know, there are so many athletes. And I started this book probably, you know, two or three times. Uh, for most of you know, I played professional, semi-professional soccer. Uh, I have uh, three other brothers that played uh, professional soccer. And uh, another brother that was a professional boxer. So I had a five boys, all, four, all five of us played uh, some sort of professional sport, um, you know, good gene pool. Um, and for all of us, there's life after whatever sport you're playing. So we're going to talk to Leonard a little bit about life after football. And he's become the CEO of a company. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about that uh, and his vast experience. He also is a speaker. We'll talk a little bit about his speaking career and some of the speaking stuff he does. Um, you know, so like I said, I mean, sometimes you get to interview people and talk to people and you think like, damn, you've got to be kidding. Like, this is so awesome. So I, I'm, I'm a huge fan, and I'm honored to have Leonard on the show, and uh, and and hopefully you guys all enjoy the conversation. Um, so you know, hopefully we'll get Leonard on here in a second. Here in a second, Leonard, are you there? You there? You there? I'm here, guys. I'm here. <laughs> Leonard, how are you? Thank you so much for joining me tonight. That is, I'm just, I'm so psyched to have you on the show. Really honored, truly honored. You're quite welcome, Kevin. Thanks for having me. All right, man. Hey, so listen. So let's let's begin with the beginning, right? So uh, the first sure. thing that you're you're probably known for, and, and and we'll talk about a little bit about that. So look, I'm a I'm a six foot guy, uh, six foot five. So I mean, almost all the time. And I was just talking to this about a, a with a, a young woman I think yesterday, the day before. She's about six two. So I said to her, uh, I said to her, I'm sure you always get the question, Are you a basketball player? And she's like. Yes, constantly. It turns out she never played basketball. She was a, a volleyball player. So at six five, right. I'm always asked, like, you know, are you a, a you know, you're a basketball player? And I'm like, no, I was actually a soccer player. Now, Leonard, right. we haven't met, we haven't let, met in person. I know that you right. are a very large man. <laughs> yes. yes. Does, does anyone yes. ever make the assumption that you were ever anything than a football player? Yes, they used to think when I first came in the NFL, they used to think I was a basketball player. Okay, you know, you're like get six, that all the seven, time. Six, you're six, 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 seven? I'm six, five. Six, five. You're the same height. Okay, so you're a little bit bigger. Yeah. Okay. 
Uh-huh. Yeah, so, so you used to think that all the time, you know. Uh-huh. Yeah, you used to think I was a basketball player all the time, and I, I used to have to tell him, you know, you know, I played the game in high school, but, you know, that's where it stopped. The coach said, uh-huh. you know, Leonard, you like to – you score 20, but you foul out every game. <laughs> so uh, I think you're going to have to find another sport where you get a chance to run into people and then, you know, let them feel the impact of of, of um of uh, your wealth uh, as an athlete, I think that sport may be football for you. Dude, I bet Turned you, I bet you had a lot of guys. I bet you had a lot of guys foul out too, trying to mark you. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt, uh-huh. no, no doubt. So funny. So then, you, so you made the transition to football, and obviously, you know, you became a, a superstar in football. Um, talk a little bit about that, just briefly, Leonard. I mean. You know, it's a part of your past. I understand that, and it's such a huge part of your past, and it's opened right. a lot of doors for you. But when you think about, I mean, so you know, you were a young man, and you, yeah. you think about all those amazing yeah. years of football, and now that's behind you. Uh, let's talk a little bit about your your experience in the NFL, uh, your you know, all the things that you did with football, which which is really, a, I mean, obviously that's an hour, an hour and a half show, two hours a week show, all on itself. Talk a little bit about that. Well, I think I think it all began for me, Kevin. You know, the preparation you you put in at the high school level or at the middle school level enables you to get to high school, and the preparation you do at high school enables you to get to college. And I think what you learn in college is you learn a certain discipline and responsibility uh, that can help you segue into professional athletics. Because again, you're no longer on scholarship once you become a professional, and you know that whole that old adage now applies: to whom much is given, much is expected. So when they're paying you money, they expect a whole hell of a lot from you, and yeah, yeah. and you got to kind of give them you got to kind of give them your all, or attempt to give them your all every time you walk out there. Now you know there's days where you're going to go out there and you you're going to feel like you know you could beat the world. And there's days you're going to go out there, you're going to wish that you could feel as good enough that you could beat the world, but you just might not have it. Well, you'd rather have days where where they're more about, you know, you beating the world and they're conquering it versus you having the conquest conquer you. So I think the the toughest part of the transition was, you know, understanding my value going in, understanding what was expected of me going in, being able to meet that demand week in, week out, day in, day out, you know, and understand that at the pro level, you don't you don't get paid to play the game. You get paid to practice football. And the more you practice, the better you get, the more opportunities you present for yourself, both on the football field and off the football field. And it's just like any other sport. You know, as long as you continue, I guess it's, it's like that old adage. As long as you're green, you'll continue to grow. It's when you think you're ripe, you'll begin to rotten. So it kind of applies to to everything I learned in athletics. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think that's amazing. And in that sense, that dedication, the commitment, the the challenge, the you know. So we, we'll talk about that. Like you faced it so many times in your life. And, and there's a lot of people out there that look at ball players and think like, oh man, I wish I wish I was six five, or oh, I wish I was you know 300 pounds, or I wish I could be a you know seven foot you know basketball player. I don't think they understand. It's like, look, 
there's there's a lot of dudes out there that are between six four and six eight six nine that are you know two fifty three hundred pounds that never have oh, the yeah. honor of playing the NFL. Like the amount oh, of dedication yeah. and focus and commitment that it takes to play at that next level, and and I think for you, now where did you go to college again? I mean, I went to Louisiana State University. Right. You know, so I, even I, there, I, a high a high level football program there. Talk a little bit about the difference of, and obviously three a days and working your ass off and working really hard to to be a star there. But talk a little bit about the difference when you realize when you went to that next level playing with the Giants when you realize like, holy crap, like playing with a Harry Carson or or guys like that where you're like, oh my god, like these guys. Are well, yeah, crazy. I mean, yeah, and I think and I think that's that's where it all like I said, you know, when I got out of college sleeps and I started to play the game for money. I then now started to take a look around the locker room and look at all the other guys that were now playing the game for money. You know, and I started assessing and evaluating their situation. You know, uh-huh. the one guy to my left, Lawrence Taylor, had three kids and a wife. Harry Carson had four kids, five kids, four or five kids and, and, and no wife, but yet, you know, baby mom. So mm-hmm. that, that means he's paying child support. I've got... Mm-hmm. You know, Phil Sims with three kids and a wife. I've got Jeff Hostetler with two kids and a wife. I've got, you know, a number of guys around me that all got kids and wives. So I said to myself, okay, uh, you know, those nagging wives, you know, the first thing they want, they want the bigger, better house. They want the bigger, better car. They want the bigger, better diamond. They want the bigger, better jewelry. They want the fur coats when they go out with their husbands whether they go on Broadway, off Broadway, and understanding that the demand hmm. that the game puts on you, the player, they're the ones that are going to be enjoying all of this success that you've built up in this sport and all the trinkets that come with it hmm. versus you being able to enjoy it because you're working your tail off. You don't have time yeah. to enjoy it, the fruits of your labor. So yeah. someone has to enjoy it. So, and, and hope that while you're working with Taylor, you're building a brand both in the business that will help you parlay yourself into something or what am I going to do when the cheering really stops? Yeah. You know, what's yeah. next for Leonard when the cheering really stops? So, yeah. which, which, which led me to write my last book entitled When the Cheering Stops. <laughs> That's great. That's great. I think that's I think that's a forgotten story. I think that's a piece that people don't realize. They they, they see right. athletes as being privileged in many ways, but they they don't see the dedication, commitment, challenge. But then they don't see the challenges. Unfortunately, that the wealth and celebrity of being a superstar athlete brings, and and those are incredible challenges that that also oh, yeah. face you, oh, especially yeah. young men. Because you go oh, yeah. from being I mean, I mean, in LSU down in Louisiana, where I'm sure you had plenty of difficulties staying off of Bourbon yeah. Street and places like that. So you had your challenges yeah. there. But then yeah. uh, to go to a place like New York City and have all that money, and there's a lot of kids that, that go from not having much to all of a sudden, I mean, you got a lot of money, you're in big cities, you're meeting lots of people. Yeah, 17 and a half million people, five boroughs of a city. Uh, two tunnels, three bridges. Uh, you got a lot to deal with. There's a lot to consume. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Now, and, and then you can, got, and then you got every Shylock 
on the planet who's trying to get at some of that money. You've got guys looking to sell you jewelry, sell you drugs, sell you prostitutes, sell you this, sell you the, 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 the Bronx River Bridge, you know, sell you a little bit of everything. So you've got to kind of navigate your way through all that and find out who's real and who's not. Yeah, and, and did you find, and let, let not to expose this too much, let's not talk about it too much, we'll just talk, did you have, did you have friends that were longtime friends that maybe tried to take advantage of your celebrity? Did it, did that become difficult where you almost had to lose friendships because you saw through people trying to take advantage of, of your hard work? Did that happen? Well, I'm sure first, it happened to a lot of athletes, but it, did it happen to you? Yeah, it first happens with family, Kevin. The first thing that I found was, you know, family, they, they, you know, they don't see Monday to Saturday. They just see Sunday afternoon, and they just hear what the people talk about on television. Was well, this year he signed a contract for $27.9 million, and $19 million of it was guaranteed over four years. And you know, that's all they hear. They don't right. hear, and they don't see what goes on there and goes into earning that money and, and, and understand that, you know, you have a hiccup, you know, that money's gone unless it's really guaranteed. You know, well, and, I think and, and, I think that's the big thing. The guaranteed money has changed because I think what's interesting, and as an athlete, once again, I appreciate the fact that look, you know, there's there's a couple of big stories like a like a Bo, um, uh, I'm trying to think of Bo's, uh, Bo, uh, Bo Jackson, yeah, Bo Jackson, Jackson, right? Like there are certain celebrity athletes that had either bad injuries or something that ends everything. And, and they don't yeah. talk about it a lot, but I think the average NFL career is, is it is it five or seven years or something? or it's, No, it's, it's 3.2 years, my friend. Three years, three years, right. 3.2 years. It's 3.2 years, and you need three years and three ball games to become a vested NFL player, which, which entitles you to a pension, a 401K, a second career savings plan, uh, money to go back to school for continuing that, and and family benefits, right? And so that is, you, that's gotta, tremendous when you think about it. Is that every Sunday? Once again, thanks for talking about it. I don't want to belabor it too much, but the idea is it's Sunday night. There's so many people today that there's millions of people that love watching football and love their players. And and to think yeah. about it, I mean, you got three years on average to try and make some money so you can live the rest of your life. So I mean. There's Correct. players that are ending their careers at 25 years old, 26 years old. It's like, well, what do I do with the rest of my life? And, and when we come back, we're going to take a we're going to take a quick break here for a second. Uh, we'll come back in a minute. We'll talk about maybe the next chapter a little bit. We'll talk about that transition from your amazing football career to you know after football and 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 that transition. And so many ball players that have to make that transition. All right, Larry, we'll we'll come back in a sure. second, folks. This is Kevin McCrudden, Motivate America. And uh, look forward to hearing back from you in a second. All right. Today's show has been brought to you by Nightingale Conant and Get Motivated Seminars. Welcome back, folks. Welcome back to Motivate America with Kevin McCrudden and our special guest, Leonard Marshall. Leonard, thank you so much for spending a little bit of time talking about, you know, sort of your football career with the Giants and and, and just the NFL and that amazing experience. We're going to take a little bit of a, a segue here. Uh, obviously, the NFL um, has had uh, some recent impact outside of Sundays and, and a little bit on society and a societal discussion. And, you know, there's, there's all sorts of leaders that, that make decisions and do things that, that create shockwaves. 
And, uh, and, and we talked about this briefly the other day. Um, we're talking about Colin Kaepernick. And, uh, you know, Colin is a tremendous athlete. Those couple of years with the 49ers, he did, he did very well. Very good quarterback, very good player, very athletic. His, his athletic career maybe uh, was transitioning or whatever. When he made the decision to kneel, I'm shocked at how he handled the outcome of it, but he knelt for a reason. And, and if you don't mind, we'll talk a little bit about his decision to kneel, then the other player's decision to kneel, some owners deciding to kneel, the ramifications in America, and now Nike coming out with a commercial essentially, you know, highlighting Ka- Kaepernick again. Um, Let's talk about that briefly. And I know we've already talked about it. We don't spend too much time on it. What are your thoughts and some of your conversations with some of the fellow football players? And let's be specific about black athletes and black players and, and how they feel about it. Well, well, I could tell you that, you know, the dynamics of it uh, in, 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 in discussions that I've had, I've had, I've had them across the board. I've had them with black. I've had them with Hispanic. I've had them with... Uh, Caucasian and everyone on the league side of it, or guys that play the game, they clearly get it. I mean, mm-hmm. Colin's idea was, you know, he wanted to take a stance on police brutality and the servicemen who have spent time um, serving this country um, by way of the military mm-hmm. and. Uh, and the disposition that is taken against these men when they when they either served, they live in these communities, they have these diverse families, they have these not so diverse families, and they have these um, these backgrounds that you know some people look at and they tend to want to you know extract criticism upon the way they live their lives and the way they roll and, and, and how they choose to do their things. And I think that, mm-hmm. you know, for for the most part, you know, the ignorant who didn't quite understand why Colin Kaepernick took the position that he took mm-hmm. all came out with unjust comments about Colin and and it made some, some very divisive statements about him, yep. as well as those that are, that are supporting Donald Trump and... At Donald Trump's position, when he has no skin in the game, he's not an NFL team owner. He has nothing to do with the National Football League. Every time he tried to buy a team, they kicked him out of these league meetings, and um, because they know his of his divisive mentality and and so forth and so on. So, you know, I think it's important that people really take a, a real good look at why Colin Kaepernick took the stance he he took. Mm-hmm and what he was attempting to do. He was just attempting to bring awareness to something that, that has been taking place and been going on for years that never had quite a bit of attention brought to it. And, yeah. and that's it. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't racist. It wasn't um, 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 to be... It wasn't intentionally divisive, uh, right? No, no it, wasn't, it wasn't intended to be divisive. You know, I mean, you know, you, you're talking about a biracial young man who grew up in a well, that's, you know what, wait a second, you know what, Leonard? Just that you said that, even that's incredibly important. The fact that he's biracial, 
I don't think anyone even pays attention to that. Like this is a Correct. this is a kid that's bi, that's that's a mix. Like he's biracial, right? And people Correct. don't even pay Correct. attention to that. Correct. So so that's what we're talking about, Kev. You know, it, it you know, Kev, you you know this. Ignorance rules the world. I mean, I know so many men. I could talk on the other side, okay? I'll give you three men, three men that you've never thought about, and and I'm going to say it, and I'm I'm a man of color, three men who have made money off of hate and divisiveness, okay? And two of them are well-known. Al Sharpton, Jesse Jackson, and Louis Farrakhan. All three of these men have done nothing but made money off being divisive of pitting black against white and never talking about what the real issues are, the real objectives are, and how do we get there? How do we really get there? You know, now, granted, as things have changed, now you see a new Al Sharpton, okay? He's a man now, he's a true man of the cloth. He's talking about being more inclusive. He's talking about things uh, from all perspectives and not just one perspective. Mm-hmm. He is not so much using God anymore as his guiding force, but yet using common sense and mm-hmm. saying, hey, common sense prevail. You know, let's make better decisions. Let's do better things with our lives. Let's mm-hmm. be better people. Yeah. Now, yeah, that that's the truth right there is how you build a better environment and a better community. You know, Absolutely. so 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 with that being said, so with that being said, I'm very happy with that new guy and I'm very happy with the work of Jesse Jackson. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't speak so much to Minister Farrakhan because mm-hmm. I'm not a true follower. Mm-hmm. And I'm not a true follower of someone who uses hate to to uh, uh, attract an audience. And it is, it has been truly divisive. And I think what's interesting is Collins, look, what he was trying to do, and this is where I thought it was kind of interesting, that he didn't just, when he got the backlash, instead of continuing to kneel, he didn't take the opportunity to say, hey, look, I'm glad I got the response. This was why I did it, and this is why it was important. And you right. know, thank you very much for responding. Let's have, let's have a dialogue. Let's talk about this because it is important. But then right. he carried forward and he continued to kneel. And then I think what ended up happening is the whole idea of it being anti-patriotic, against, against the flag, against the military. And, and I could right. see how that was happening. And I hate to tell you, as you bring up those three black leaders in America who have really been, I think, largely influential in the black community over the past 50 years, 40 years, 50 years, right? Jesse Jackson, you know, a young man being with Dr. King, right, when he was shot. Right. Um, right. You know, I think the, the, the challenge for us is, look, I, as, as a Caucasian, as a white man, I, I want everyone listening to the show and every white guy listening to the show to listen up and, and hear this. Is that, so I have a gentleman who was ex, uh, ex-Marine, uh, ex-trainer uh, you know, in the military, Army trainer, uh, Sergeant Major, uh, was in the New York City Police Department. And he would come to our home, and he would use the N word. Right. And I'd look at I'd look at him, and and for those that are listening, you know, I do this occasionally. Look, I thought he was fucking crazy, and and I right. look at him and be like, "Are you are you out of your mind?" 
Right. And then, like at my home, like at my home, it's just unacceptable. Right. But he came to my home and used right. it. And then I have another associate who's a business owner in the construction industry in New York, and he uses the word. And every time he uses it, I look at him like, are you out of your mind? So what's happening right. still, and, and this is the point that we're getting to, is that there are still people that are ignorant enough to try and use that word or that phrase and try and defend it. And then, unfortunately, we still have people in the, in the African-American black community, hip-hop community, that use the word in their music and think, like, somehow you can defend it. It's like, look, no, it's a divisive word that's dividing us as men and women and, and people of God or whatever, however you want to look at it. It is divisive, and we need to move forward. And I don't know if we're doing a good enough job of that, Leonard, but I do know that there's men like you out there that, that are leaders. And, and I think that's the biggest difference, is that you're a well-educated man that was usually successful, and you're a leader, and you're, and you're making a difference in the world by the things that you're trying to teach and the things you're talking about. Right, right. I mean, you know, and, and, that, and that's what's important. I mean, it's, it's significant to my son. It's significant to my daughter. It's significant to my spouse. It's significant to my household. I mean, I understand the argument that many African Americans make in that it's a way that, that we communicate with each other but it doesn't mean that others can't communicate with us in that manner. And mm -hmm. they try to distract from the fact that it's black on black and say, when someone Caucasian talks to them, like they should talk to them with a little bit more respect. Well, how can you, how can you respect the zone? So how could you, you know, expect the respect when in fact you don't respect yourself when you talk to each other that way, like okay. what you're saying okay. and why you were offended and why you okay. were offended. Okay. So I understand that, Kev, believe yeah. me. Yeah. A yeah. lot of us, a lot of us, when we reach a certain level, and I'm talking about black folks, when we reach a certain level, you you, you got to understand, you're not in the ghetto anymore, or you're not in the hood anymore, or it's not accepted language anymore. And I think that's the thing that 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 that, that uh, uh, many guys need to come to grips with. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's the leadership piece, Leonard. That's, that's the leadership piece where I think absolutely. where it comes absolutely. down to look. My parents, my parents are Irish immigrants. They came here with nothing, and, and they built a life, yeah. and eight kids got college yeah. education, and I think yeah. part of it's education. But I think to your point, when you get past the socioeconomic levels where it's like it's gauche or it's unacceptable to speak like that because it's, it's, you know, it's, it's not really ex uh, ex accepted in certain cultures or in certain places, and it's like, wait a second. We need to teach that to everybody, and it's not just young black men. It's not just young people in the ghetto. It's not. It's everyone. We need to get them to understand that America is the greatest country in the world for a lot of yeah. reasons, and one of it, my parents believe yeah. in it, the idea of upward mobility is that you can make money and work hard here and live here and have a hugely successful life that you might not be able to have other places in the world. And with that yeah. comes the responsibility of, and then we get back to God and, and, and just the idea of treating people the way you want to be treated, just being a decent human being, not being disrespectful to other people, but certainly there's people that are disrespectful to themselves. But anyway, so Colin Kaepernick opened this window. God bless him. I, I think he was trying to do the right thing. I think it got twisted on him. And for the past, mm -hmm. you know, year and a half, two years, it got twisted. Really interesting. Just your last thoughts on it. For Nike, a huge company like Nike to, to put this commercial out, put this spin on it. I mean, 
Did, did, did you see the commercial? What did you think when you saw it? Uh, kudos to Nike. Kudos to Nike for having the chutzpah and the uh, and the wisdom to to get out in front of it and back his play. And it tells me that that Nike is now taking a step and to become the next level brand and be inclusive and be be who they've always been. You know, yeah. when they said just do it. Just do it didn't have a color. No, yeah, I love it. it. Love didn't, it. Have yeah. a, didn't have a nation of origin. It didn't yeah. have uh, 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 um, a a gender. It had nothing. Yeah. It just said, just do it. Yeah. Just do it. That's all it said. So, yeah. so, Leonard, so I I we're going we're gonna to take another break right here. But you know sure. what? That, that's a great spot to take a break. You're awesome. That's exactly it, man. Just do it. Be, be a great human being. I, I, I love right. it, man. That's perfect. All right, guys. Hey, we're going to take yeah. another break, folks. We're going to be back with Leonard Marshall. Um, we're going to take the next transition from football and race relations. We're going to talk about his current position as CEO. We're going to talk about some of the other stuff he's done outside of football uh, and how football has helped him with that. We'll be back in a moment, folks. Thanks for joining us. Kevin McCrudden, Motivate America. Be back one second. Today's show has been brought to you by Nightingale Conant and Get Motivated Seminars. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back, folks. This is Kevin McCrudden, Motivate America, with our special guest, Leonard Marshall. Uh, Leonard, I am just, you know, I'm beyond honored. You're just, you're a tremendous man, and I've had so much fun getting to know you and talk to you a little bit. Uh, we've covered a lot of bases. Um, let's talk a little bit about the transition, your transition from professional football to the professional world. And uh, now you were... Were you 30 when, when you were done? 30, oh, no, you spent 13 years playing professional basketball. Right. What, you're mid, mid-30s? Mid-30s. Mid-30s in that transition. Yeah, and I mean, that's still a young man. You know, I mean, 30-something years old, that's still a young man. Talk about a little bit of that transition from, from professional football to what was next. So when I decided that, 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 that it, was, it was nearing the end, for me to give up my career, I was scared. I was scared as shit. I had no idea. I had no idea what the next thing was going to be, where the next meal was going to come from, where the real cheese is going to, you know, come from, or chicken, as some of them call it, or whatever. So my thing was was take a look back, Leonard. Look at the building blocks that you've put together over the years. So I went back to 1984 when I decided to go back to school because I was a four-year athlete at LSU and wasn't a redshirt athlete. I didn't get a chance to finish school. So I started working on finishing my education at Fairleigh Dickinson in New Jersey. So over the next five years, I spent time at Fairleigh. And in 1991, it was time to to win another championship, I was getting ready to get my degree from Fairleigh Dickinson in business finance. So one of the first players to receive his cap and gown um, while still playing and, uh, and trying to move my life forward. So I think it be- the journey really got wiser for me for- was from one understanding that 
I could build a brand in this business mm-hmm. and a brand that I could use when I get out the game, but I needed more to support that brand. So I needed to get some education um, in the backdrop of the greatest financial city, probably in the United States, which is New York City, with both those twin towers sitting down at Wall Street. So I knew I'd have an opportunity to make a living when I got out of football uh, because of that. So I continued my education, continue my education, you know, continue to keep growing, you know, continually utilizing my brand, whether it was public speaking, product endorsement, um, um, any off-the-field endeavors that I engaged in. I always thought of my brand first and its worth when I went into a project. <clears throat> so while I was playing, I had this entrepreneurial spirit, and I became this serial entrepreneur, you know, always looking to change the world, always looking to change the way something's done, uh, thinking that I could do it better, bigger, smarter, stronger, faster, and so forth and so on. And, you know, so as I left football, I really didn't move into that and took a bite from that that apple. And um, I, I got into a number of different businesses. The one that I got in that taught me the most was I got in the garment business, making team NFL, NBA, and Major League Baseball licensed merchandise, which gave me an entree to deal with all the mass merchants and all the retailers, the big box, the big box retailers around the country. So Target, Walmart, Montgomery Ward, Sears and Robux, all those people became customers and partners of mine. Wow. So, so making merchandise in the NBA, Major League Baseball, and the NFL really broadened my horizons and told me that, Leonard, if you can do this and connect the dots with the sports community, then you could pretty much do any damn thing you put your mind to. And I think that it was there that everything began, you know. And, and from that led me to another opportunity in the financial services industry. From that led me to teaching at a university here in New Jersey and continuing my education and, you know, and just opportunity after opportunity after opportunity and constantly making money and and doing things to grow my concerns and things that I really believed in. Good for you. And for you. that's where I'm because at today. I think that, and here's the thing, you don't you don't need me blowing sunshine up your ass. I think the reality is no. is that there's so many ball players. I think when they retire, and hopefully if they've managed the money fairly well, they retire and then they think like you know that's kind of it. So at thirty Correct. something, thirty something to fifty something to seventy something, it, it's like they're playing golf and they're doing celebrity shit, but they're not they're not getting to the next level. They're not advancing Correct. their lives. They spend the Correct. rest of their lives being a ball player when they're not ball players, right? And what Correct. you've done is you've become you've become a successful businessman after. So you've used football as a young man to progress your life or to promote your life to be able to start at a higher starting point, and now you've been able to parlay that into something else. Exactly. I, I, I figured out I think I figured out a while ago, Kevin, really why you go to college. You go to college to get an education to bust your ass for 25 years after you get that education so that you can coast for the last 25 years after that if you really bust your ass and you put that education to work and you made money along the way. Mm-hmm. And you paid money into the system, you established a 401k, 
you establish a, the purchase of a home, you you invest some money, and you you develop some some sort of wealth, and and whether it be uh, second generation wealth, third generation wealth, fourth generation wealth, whatever it may be, and you develop a footprint that you want your kids to kind of follow when you really decide to hang it up. So I think that that, that, that has been the thing that's been like the driving force behind behind anything and everything that I, that I do. Leonard, I mean, amen, amen, amen. I mean, that, that's brilliant. I, I think that's absolutely brilliant. It sounds so simple, yeah. but I think you're exactly right. If you can spend those yeah. four to five years, six years for graduate school, you break your ass a little bit, but that next 25 is really breaking your ass. But it does pay off. Now, if you don't do that, Kevin, think about what happens now. You don't do that. And let's say you're lollygagging, like you said, from 20 to 45 or 20 to 50 years old. Then I could get almost guarantee you that from 50 to 75, you're going to struggle. Hmm. You're either going to be in welcome to McDonald's, man, take your order, or do you need me to, what, what, what would you like, paper and plastic, man? Yeah. Because because that's what you're talking about. Yeah. Oh, I don't I don't disagree with you at all. I think that's, I think that's brilliant. I, I think frankly yeah. you should develop a whole speech and presentation just about mm-hmm. that in itself, man. That's brilliant. That's absolutely brilliant. So mm-hmm. you get out of LSU, you go to the NFL, you're at the Giants. You notice I haven't mentioned the Redskins once. I won't do that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right. 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 And, and then you. Right. <laughs> Look, you're a Giants Hall of Famer. We're going to leave it at that. So then uh-huh. we, <laughs> and then you go out, you have a, a, a successful professional career. Now, let's talk about your, the, the last two gigs that you're at or the last two conversations we've had. But let's talk about this new company that you're at. Now, now you're the new CEO of this company, right? Yes, I'm the interim CEO of, of, of TuckerSafe.com. And Say that again. Tucker's What's the name of it? TuckerSafe. Tuckersafe.com. Okay. And what Tucker Tucker produces is a safety device for the senior citizen community as well as as well as uh, women on college campuses throughout the country. We're looking to take the the um, LTE platform and deliver a mobile safety device which women can use to track civil and sexual assault on college campuses around the country. We've now been using the device in the senior citizen community to help them. The device is very similar to the product called Life Alert. It's mm-hmm. called 911 Alert. And, um, you know, senior citizens that walk with it, that carry it on their keychain, or walk with it when they go for walks, or have it in their home during the course of the day. Uh, in the event that something happens, they slip and fall, they hit their head, they break their hip, um, they have a, uh, an accident outside in the street, uh, and their kids don't have the access or cameras um, offered to them to really be able to track their, their parents uh, that are 70 plus uh, at this point in, in time. Uh, but yet they want to keep a watchful eye on their mom and dad uh, and grand and or grandparents uh, just so that they can, you know, keep a grip on what they're doing and, and how they're going about things in the course of the day. So, mm-hmm. you know, most have found this device 
to be um, uh, extremely interesting. We've sold over 20,000 units of this device, and mm-hmm. we continue to move this device. And uh, we've tried to sell another 15,000, 20,000 to the uh, female population for, uh, for personal safety. I also have a nonprofit, uh, the Leonard A. Marshall Foundation, uh, which um, uh, supports the device and offers help to women that have um, uh, engaged in uh, uh, been sexually and civilly abused and, and, and need that outlet and, and someone to talk to, uh, someone to go to and, um, and express their concerns and someone to, uh, to reach out to to discuss you know, what might have happened to them and why. Senator Leonard, uh, please give everyone the, the website again so that people can go and, and find the site. It's Tucker, T-U-C-K-E-R. Yes, S-A-F-E dot com. Okay. So I want folks that are listening to please make sure you get to that website or if you have a, a friend or a family member that you think can benefit from going to the site, please have them go to the site and, and pick that up. Um you let any particular reason um, or any kind of event or anything that led to you creating this company and, and working with this company? I think watching watching what's going on. You know, my 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 spouse works for a university. She's in affirmative action at a university mm-hmm. and Title IX coordinator as well. So she wears three hats at this place. However, she's always investigating you know, civil and sexual assault complaints and, and, and different employment complaints and, and so forth and so on. And, you know, she said to me, you know, there's, there's, there's something going on in this country that I've not been able to really grasp. And, and I said, what could that be? And then she got into it a little bit, and then we started talking about it further. And I started doing some homework. I started going on the Internet and looking up things and, and, and looking at, you know, fraternity life at different schools and different campuses and, and sorority life at different schools and different campuses and, you know, you know, and, and, and what people are talking about and what the buzz is, so mm-hmm. forth and so on. And, you know, everything came down to, you know, Title IX. So you look at now what's going on with the government, you know, and what Betsy DeVos is looking into and, and what they're looking to do with Title IX at, at, at affirmative action at, uh, at different universities throughout the country now. So, you know, things are just coming together and they're making more sense that, you know, we need more programs and products in this country to service the people in this country. And, and, and people need to be aware of their environment and what's going on and, and, and what options are available. So, you know, the Leonard A. Marshall Foundation, you know, uh, the platform I built for civil and sexual assault and the awareness associated with it, I think uh, it's something that you know, will give women the comfort that um, there's actually a voice out there or an ear out there to listen to their voice. Good for you. Well, thank you very much for doing that. So here's just a a little bit of, not a caveat, but something I'd like to add. So, you know, we have all sorts of different audiences listening from week to week, and and there's two two sides there. There's probably multiple sides to this argument, but there's two most important, right? So I was talking to a, a young woman. Uh, last night who has a younger daughter. So maybe she's in her 30s or 40s. She has a teenage daughter. And uh, the the teenage daughter made a a mistake of uh, taking pictures of herself and sending it to a boyfriend. And 
my, my advice to young women that are listening and their moms. There, there is, there is no place. There's no room. There, there is no way in any situation. Number one, that you, you should be taking pictures of your beautiful little bodies and sh- sharing them with anyone. It should not be on the internet. There's no place for Correct. it. There's, there's no reason for it. There's no reason to do that. And I think the more we have moms and dads that tell their little girls, do not do that. Do not promote yourself in that way. Do not send your pictures out in that way. Yet it, it just it has to get out of anything that little girls are thinking about. Number two, being on a college campus, being with young athletes, whether it be basketball players, football players, soccer players, whatever they are, young women, if you are going back to their room, it's not a dining room, it's not a living room, it is their bedroom. You do not go in a bedroom. You stay out of the bedroom. You do not go in there unless you know exactly what you're doing and why you're there, and then you're in there for a reason. Young men, young men, you do not have the right to touch a girl for any reason whatsoever. You do not have the right or you're not entitled to touch a young woman that is not, quote-unquote, your girlfriend, your significant other, your wife, your spouse. You do not have the right to touch a woman just because you feel like it. So, I mean, there are certain things that that we need to reinforce in in our world. And I think as men, I hear it from you. As a man, I, I told my boys for the first time they dated a girl, I would tell them, listen, that's someone's little girl. And you know what? That's one Correct. of my brothers. He's a dad. And you know what? I got his back because he's a dad and I'm a dad. You don't touch that girl. You don't be disrespectful to that girl. You don't treat that girl badly. You don't say anything bad about that girl because guess what? That's his daughter. That's correct. You know? So so we need to continue to try and reinforce those messages, Leonard. And I'm glad that you're doing what you're doing. Oh, hey, I mean, my, 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 you know, Kevin, my son's an attorney. Um, I have this talk to them all the time. Uh, I, I tell them all the time, you know, no means no. Uh, a, a, drunken, a, a drunken night out um, could be a, a, a 18-year exchange. And, and I, you know, I, I, I just, you know, I, I know he's not ready for it. I know we're not ready for it. Yeah. He has a sister, you know, my daughter. And I always want him to know that she's watching what he's doing and so forth and so on. So, you know, what you just preached to me, I I, I say kudos to you for for doing that because it's imperative. It really it is, Leonard. From, it comes from it comes from the home yep. and not from yep. the street. It's imperative that it comes from home. And and that's the thing, you know, to your point. If it comes from the street if it's coming from the streets, you can guarantee that it is not the lesson you want your kids learning, and it is uh-huh. it is it is definitely the school of hard knocks. So there's going to be early pregnancy, there's going to be early acceptance of sexuality, there's going to be disease, there's going to be all sorts of stuff. So if their kids are learning from the street, they learn from the wrong place, and and you mm-hmm. should, you should expect those outcomes. That's correct. So so let's take another quick break, Larry. We're going to come back and finish up our interview. Folks, Leonard Marshall, the legend, the Hall of Famer, is joining us this evening. Be back in a couple of minutes.
Today's show has been brought to you by Nightingale Conant and Get Motivated Seminars. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back again, folks. Seven McCrudden, Motivate America, with New York Giant Hall of Famer, NFL legend, Leonard Marshall, and uh, having a great conversation about a handful of things. You know, his NFL career, um, you know, uh, race relations, the Colin Kaepernick uh, situation, uh, Nike. We've just talked about uh, Leonard Marshall uh, Foundation that he created and um, his, his company, uh, Tucker State, for, for women and, and, and remotes for, hel- uh, for elderly and so that they have safety and security. Uh, and we'll put this stuff out on the website. want everybody to make sure that they, they get to the website and, and get this information. Uh, Leonard, thank you so much for joining me tonight. You are, listen, you are an amazing man, and just I, I'm honored to have you on the show. You're really terrific. Thank you so very much. Oh, you're quite welcome, Kevin, and so are you. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you, brother. I appreciate it, man. So listen, let's, let's wrap things up tonight. So in addition to the, the foundation, in addition to the, the software and the stuff for, for women's safety and elderly safety, you're also involved with a, a company called Elixinol, right? Correct. Now, what's, so what's your role ago, with Elixinol, and what do they do? So, so five years ago, I, I attended the CW Expo, um, or CWC Expo, I'm sorry, the Can- Cannabis World Congress Expo in New York City. Mm-hmm. And I attended as the keynote speaker for the event. And the event featured... Um, 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 the independent candidate for president, Robert Johnson. Mm-hmm. Um, it also featured um, um, Tommy Cheech and um, uh, or Cheech and Chong, rather. I don't know their I don't know their real their, their real name. I just know that they were there and they were talking about cannabis. And the, of course, they know, were there. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I created a dais. Yeah, I created a dais of 13 retired athletes that all talked about the effects that cannabis and CBD uh, had on their life after professional sports and how it's either impacted their life and made it better or in, in a couple of cases has been a, a relief to the addiction they obtained while playing professional sports, uh, the addiction they obtained uh, by using narcotics to treat their pain mm-hmm. and their issues associated with pain versus using cannabidiol, which works in direct con- uh, in direct continuity with the endocannabinoid system in the body. Mm-hmm. So in terms of this company, Elixinol, um, they're looking for someone uh, who has had experience with the use of CBD and mm-hmm. and has had successful use of it. Um, at the time, <clears throat> I was seeking to partner myself <clears throat> and marry my brand to a company that I could achieve such such success. Mm-hmm. So I started talking to some of the in a, inner working bodies of Elixinol, we were able to come to an agreement. I became the company's brand ambassador. I helped them grow their awareness and concern. And for that, I obtained a piece of equity in the business and um, um, a stipend and a salary. 
and uh, and did my job and did my job well. Today well, we are interesting. Here. Interesting. Five years ago, it was a different environment and a different culture associated with that's you know, hemp, hemp, hemp that's and correct. marijuana. Fast forward, the number of states that have now uh, made uh, recreational as well as uh, medicinal uh, marijuana legal, and now this, you know, it's, it's interesting, all the stuff that's coming out of the hemp plant, but uh, the CBD oil, let's talk a couple of moments about that. What's the difference between CBD and CTE? And supposedly it's very good for anxiety, depression, pain management, I mean, these are all things, and the CBD or CTE um, oils do not make you high. They've extracted the, the stuff that actually makes you high. From okay. Okay, well, CBD comes in three different forms. It could come as a concentrate. It could come as a liquid um, or an oil-based product, and it can come as a balm that you rub on your skin or you use on your lips. Mm-hmm. CTE is chronic traumatic encephalopathy, and you can use CBD to treat CTE, oh, but okay. there's no okay. such there's there's no such product as called CTE. So oh, okay, now CTE weren't you diagnosed with CTE? I was diagnosed with having a glimpse of CTE, which is chronic traumatic encephalopathy, and uh, along with me were three other athletes who were diagnosed with it. Tony Dorsett, Joe Delamalore, and Mark Duper, a former receiver from the Miami Dolphins. Right, right. So I I became well-versed in in CBD. Um, CBD is a a product which is derived from from the hemp plant, and it, it, it serves as a blanket to help the the endocannabinoid system in the body. It's an anti-inflammatory. It's the oldest anti-inflammatory known to man. It's been around for more than a thousand years. And because the government has not figured out how to tax it, how to schedule it, it's not a Schedule One drug. It doesn't have enough THC or or the compound that is derived from the marijuana plant to effectively change your mood or get you high uh, in the product at all. Uh, this product can be used to treat uh, or has been known to be used to treat PTSD, anxiety, um, 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 mood swings, resistance to light, short-term memory loss. And some people... Uh, people with epilepsy, people with seizures, people that have issues with uh, with their stomach and, and, and cancer-related issues. This product is, has been known to help so many people with opioid addiction. Um, and just like marijuana, um, it works on the internal areas of the body, which... You really don't have a chance to really see and 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 and, um, and be able to um, to assess. However, you can assess someone's overall mood, overall health, so forth and so on, by how long they've used this product and the benefits from this product. Mm-hmm. 
And now what's the, what's the best way for people to uh, get information about Elixinol, Leonard? What, uh, what's the website for, you to, for them to go to to learn more about Elixinol? You can learn a whole hell of a lot about Elixinol. One, because it's a publicly traded company, which not only trades on the Australian stock exchange, but it also trades on the over-the-counter exchange in America. Um, it's a $200 million market cap company today. Um, there's also a website, which is www.elixinol.com. That's E-L-I-X-I-N-O-L.com. There's a wealth of information, a wealth of products, and information that will tell you about the direction of the company, what's new in the industry, and where we intend to go uh, with this company and with our product. Well, listen, Leonard, we're, we're at 8.59. We're just going to finish up. Man, you, you are just, I mean, this is, was a great show, so enlightening, so much information. Uh, we could probably talk for another two hours, but, you know, the show's just an hour long, which is, you know, which is amazing. We had a lot of time to talk, but uh, not enough. You are, you are a gentleman, obviously a scholar and well-read and well, uh, well-versed. You, you just, you're an amazing man, and thank you so very much for joining us tonight. Thank you, my friend, and thank you for having me, and I hope I made an impact and made a difference. Hey, listen, you know what? You, you're making an impact, man, and, and just I hope, uh, I hope plenty of people get in touch with you regarding uh, the, the foundation as well as the licks and all and as well as your, uh, the, the Tucker Safe product, all right? You got it, buddy. Keep putting feet to fire, Chad. All right, man. Listen, okay. God bless. Thank you so much for joining us, man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, All right. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Take care. Okay. Folks, Bye-bye. what an awesome show, right? Leonard Marshall, what an amazing, amazing guy. Please look him up on, on, on the Internet. Just look up Leonard Marshall. Look up Elixinol. Look up Tucker Safe. Do the research. Find out uh, about these products. Support him. Sounds like he's a great man trying to do some great things. Folks, God bless. Thank you so very much for joining me again tonight, and I look forward to talking to you soon, okay? Take care. Bye-bye.